0: Matthew chapter 7. Look at that, a whole new chapter. Yeah, we are flying. It's going to take us less than a year to do the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) Okay, so some kids are walking along, talking about what they want to be when they grow up. And I, I wanted to be a veterinarian. My, my brother said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a vet. He says, you have to go in the Army first. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I can't help it. Uh, which I did go in the Army, but I never did become a veterinarian. <laughs> so one says, I want to be a doctor. One says, I want to be a fireman. One says, I want to be president. One says, I want to be a spec inspector. And so the other one looks at him and says, what in the world is a spec inspector? So he's the guy who goes around and looks for specs in people's eyes. Hmm. Hmm. not many of us become doctors not many of us become firemen not many of us become president even if we could do a better job (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that will never stop hurting I'm sorry Uh, but a lot of us become spec inspectors looking around finding specks in speckle's eyes and so the next kid says well then when he finds someone with specks in his eyes does he help him and the other says Sometimes, but mostly he just goes around and tells other people that that guy has a speck in his eye. <laughs> okay, today's message has two main points. First, don't be quick to judge, and let your goal, when you do have to judge, let your goal be to help rather than to judge. Okay? Here's our passage. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Most well-known verse in the world. <laughs> Or at least in the English language. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, so first verses 1 and 2, don't be quick to judge. In Matthew 7, 1, not, and when I say it's the most famous verse in the, in the, in the Bible, uh, I'm, I'm speaking about what people are quick to say. Because if you go up to a sinner to and say you shouldn't do that, the first things out of their words is, thou shalt not, And no, they won't say, usually not thou, but you're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. The Bible says you're not supposed to judge. Can you show me that? No. <laughs> don't make me do that. You're judging me. <laughs> people like to quote it to demand that we don't judge anybody about anything. That's what people like to do with it, as if that's what it meant. But the problem is, is that we hear it, and it has a lot of power to influence us and cause us, we being Bible-believing people who want to honor God. And when someone quotes the Bible to us, we want to especially show that we don't Ignore what scripture says and so it becomes all it becomes hard it has power when they say it We want to honor it and it looks like we're not if we say what they're doing is wrong uh, So uh, to get them out of it ask them to show 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 you where it is <laughs> But then you're implying it's not in there at all and in fact it is in there and We have to pay attention to it. So let me take the pressure off you. It is okay to tell them they're wrong <laughs> uh, you know and and uh, Uh, You're still still allowed to tell people that what they're doing is wrong. It can be very helpful for someone to tell them what they're doing is wrong because they have made, they've taken the most famous verse in the Bible and they've made the most famous mistake about understanding the Bible, which is to take a verse out of context, right? Uh, The quote goes like this. If you take a text out of context, it becomes a pretext (laughs) for making the Bible say whatever you want the Bible to say. And you can do that with a lot of verses, but this is the one it is done with most. Uh, people say, t- they hear that one line and it's in there. Do not judge lest you be judged, right? Do not judge so that you will not be judged. That's that's It's in there, right? That's one verse set in the midst of a passage, right? And it is the passage that makes sense that we need to understand from the verse, not the verse standing alone. Uh, a text taken out of context becomes a pretext, uh, and, and it is done all the time. So today, my goal is to recognize and discuss what Jesus is actually saying and what He does want us to walk around with. Uh, essentially, don't go around judging people because if you do, that's the way you'll be judged. Uh, sometimes you can call it the boomerang principle. <laughs> you know, you throw out judgment, it comes back and hits you. You can call it karma if you want, uh, but but it's it, there's more logic to it than that. There's there's two reasons why that's going to happen. One is it's just reasonable that's going to happen. We'll look at that, and the other is because God's involved, <laughs> and God will make it happen. Okay, so first you hang around with people who are like you. We do. We you know, the whole birds of a feather flock together thing. Uh, we hang around with people who who are like us. Gossips hang around with other gossips, right? People who love to gossip love to be with people who love to gossip, but they don't like to be with people who don't like to gossip because they don't like to gossip. And where's the fun in that? You know? It's like, I just told you this great story. You're supposed to tell me one. I'm Sorry, I wasn't even listening. And by the way, if you're stuck around with a bunch of gossips, then just stop spreading what they say and don't share back with them. And, and it will go away because gossips like to hang around with gossips. Druggies like to hang around with druggies. I mean, that's, that's why they, how they, part of how they become druggies. It's why they, there are druggie houses where they go hang out. Druggies like to hang out with druggies. Gossips like to hang out with gossips. Druggies like to hang out with druggies. And NASCAR fans like to hang out with NASCAR fans. <laughs> I just thought, there's going to be two people in this church who hate me after I say... <laughs> And I saw them both do this. <laughs> there may be more haters than that. I don't know. But, but uh, point, made, point made that you like the birds of a feather thing. There's a reality to it. So if you're the kind of person who goes around criticizing other people and finding fault with other people and talking about the fault people have, guess what kind of people are going to gravitate to you? The same kind of people as you are. And you're going to walk away talking about their faults, and they're going to walk away talking about your faults, because you got them too, right? And 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 so this it's just a logical thing. Uh, you're going to do that. And, and tied to that is you have an influence over people. You have an influence over the people around you, whether you know it or not, and you see it most clearly with children. You see it most clearly with children who take on the characteristics of their parents. right? You, you see it with children who have critical, critical parents and the, and the kids, kids go around and they develop a critical attitude and they find fault. You, you'll see it with children's language. You'll know if they're swearing in the home when there's swearing coming out of that child's mouth. Uh, they're, they're, there's a, children pick up what's around them and you see it mostly with children. You see it in churches which can be known for taking on a certain characteristic. I'm not going to say the characteristic of the pastor because I don't want to go there, but pray for your pastor, <laughs> right? Uh, but they can churches can take on a characteristic, anyway, from being a church that is known to ignoring sin to a church that is always focused on specific sins and harping on them and critical spirits. I remember one year at camp, I was, I was out there, and I don't remember even what role I was doing. It was a teen camp or a treat, something like that. And the worship... Leaders for the camp, who were teens, came up to me and they said, um, there's, there's, uh, we're getting a lot of flack for some of the songs we're singing. There's, there's some people who really don't like it. And, and I, I listened to what they said, and I said, do they attend this church? And they said, yeah, <laughs> said, yeah, that church is like that. And then I wanted to explain to them if you've never heard it, when Satan was cast out of heaven, he landed in the in the choir loft, uh, you know, and 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 uh, worship music. The whole whole thing is where it's like a lightning rod for problems, and, and and some some people are much more critical of it than others. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to love everything we do to say everything we sing to say uh, they're they're okay, yeah, right? You look for a heart behind it, but but. Uh, Churches can be that way. And if you influence people to be judgmental, then guess what? There's going to be judgmental people around you. Uh, It's just that complicated. And so you will be judged. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Uh, You you, you bring it on yourself, and that's, that's the logical side of it. Uh, but but this may be more than just a judgment by people. It's really interesting. Is I I, I did my thing where I go to look at different Bible versions. And some Bible ver- some of my, my translations or versions out there imply that it's God's judgment specifically, and some of them imply that it's people's judgment specifically. And, and I and I went to my commentaries. And one commentary, I I pulled out two Matthew commentaries, and this one said, this is clearly speaking about God's judgment because of such and such and such and such. And the other one said, this is clearly speaking about people's judgment (laughs) because of such. And you go, okay, I don't know how exactly it happens, but regardless, it happens that when you have a judgmental character, when you go around looking for fault in other people, you will be judged in the same way in which you judge others. It's a good idea not to do that. It, which is not the same as saying we should never judge because that's not true either and we'll see that pretty pretty well before we're done. Uh, the idea of God doing it, like Matthew 18. You know, Matthew 18 is where we had the story of, of the, the unforgiving servant. And just to summarize, the servant was forgiven a tremendous amount by the king, equivalent of multiple millions of dollars. Uh, he wouldn't forgive a fellow servant a few thousand and the king got angry and threw the guy in jail. The guy, he... he made pay, didn't throw him in jail. The king threw him in jail. And so there's a good argument that God is the one who says, you're going to be this way? Then you're going to, you're going to receive as you give. You're going to reap what you sowed. And, and so the message of these two verses is not that you can't judge, but that you shouldn't walk around being judgmental. Okay. So can I support this? Yeah, because it's real simple. There are times when we're supposed to judge. So we, we see Jesus in Matthew chapter seven. Verse 1 saying, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And then we see Jesus in Matthew 23. Okay, Let me read for you verses 1 through 6 of Matthew 23. Same guy, same Jesus who said, don't judge. It says, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, whatever they tell you, do and comply with it. But do not do what they do, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as their finger. And they do all their deeds to be noticed by other people, for they broaden their phylacteries and strengthen, lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the seats of honor in the synagogues. And he goes on talking about them. And he says, and they this, and they this, <laughs> and they this. And you go, Jesus, you're being judgmental. Yeah. So let's look for some consistency in this. Right? Let's look for some balance in this to, to understand it. Jesus is clearly judging them. And so the, the, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians. And we're stepping out of Jesus into the New Testament uh, book, or into the, new te- the life of life the New Testament. And in 1 Corinthians 5, chapters 4 and 5, we have some judgment going on. We have, we have uh, two sides of judgment. And it's, it's really eye-opening and explanatory to look at these. So 1 Corinthians 4, Paul is talking about himself. Paul the Apostle is talking about himself, and apparently people are judging him. And so here's what he says about it. This is the way any person is to regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is an insignificant matter that I would be examined by you. Now, that word examined, your Bible may say, may say judged. And the word is, is a form of the same word of judge that we find. The, the, the Greek word for judge is krino, our equivalent, K-R-I-N-O, krino. And then there's, it does, takes a lot of forms. There's onokrino, there's katakrino, there's kekrino, there's... Uh, Another one that I can't think of, <laughs> yeah, and simply crino, and and it's, they're all forms of the same thing. And this word, examined by you, is judged. Okay, uh, it's a small matter to me that I would be examined by you or by anyone in court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself. However, I am not vindicated by this, but the one who examines me is the Lord. And you find. One, two, three times I have it. I highlighted it so I could find it. <laughs> right, three times he says uh, talks about examining. He says says I don't care if I'm examined by you. I don't even examine myself. My conscience is clear. The one that matters is when God examines me. He says that's what matters. And then he goes on. He says therefore, do not go on passing judgment. There's our word before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of all human hearts. And then praise will come to each person from God. And he says, he says, he, he uses a phrase here. He says, uh, bring to light the things hidden and disclose the motives of people's hearts. There are things that we cannot see. We do not know what goes on. We see part of a picture. We never see the whole picture. You step out and, and through obscured vision, you see someone push a little child. You go, what a horrible person, and he pushed a little child. He's in the paper the next day for being a hero, for pushing the child out of the way of these, whatever it was, you know, the, that was going to hit and kill the child. And, and, and we see part of a picture, and we judge based on what we know. And sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're wrong. But if we're specifically talking about things, uh, uh, as he says, hidden things and motives. And we can be so critical about motives. Uh, We can judge things that we don't have the quality or the the, the capability of judging. It says, the motives of human hearts. The judgment here is not about actions, but motives. And we can, it's so easy to say, I know why they did that, and start filling in the blanks. And the reality is, we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, We're we're just not not qualified. It's not about. Judging obvious wrongs as much as saying what we don't like about somebody and it offends me and it bothers me now So but but the point here Paul is saying uh, first of all he, He's saying don't judge me about my motives. Don't judge me about the things that you're not qualified to judge me about I don't even judge myself about those. I mean, I, let's be honest uh, It's it's hard to, to, to know what's in somebody else's mind And yet somehow we find ourselves capable of doing that. And and does anybody else wonder sometimes about why you did something yourself? I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Well, if you can say you don't know why you did something, if you can't judge your own motives, what makes you think you can judge the other guys? It's like, come on, give me a break. The other problem is half the time when you judge the other person's motives, you are right. <laughs> you know that person well enough, but we have to be, we're not qualified to do it. He says, don't do it. But then we move on to the next chapter of 1 Corinthians, right? So we just move a page to the right, and what do we read here? Verse 3. For I on my part, though absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged him who so committed this as though I were present. And he's saying, I'm judging this guy. <laughs> you go, wait a minute, Paul, you stinking hypocrite. Why did you just say you, you can't judge me? I don't judge myself. I'm not worried about it. And then the next page, you're saying, but I'm judging this guy. And, and, and this judges, But this judgment is clearly about actions. Let's read what leads up to it. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and sexual immorality of such kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, namely that someone has his father's wife. So you know, dad, dad got rich, mom dies, dad gets rich, marries a beautiful young thing who's walking off with him and eyeballing the son, and the son sees her eyeballing and says, "Wow, she's beautiful. She likes me, right?" And and, and uh, they get something wrong going on between them. And, and, the, and this guy's going to church. He's walking into church, and people are saying, what you're doing is wrong. He says, no, man, I'm forgiven. I'm walking under grace. I'm okay. And the church becomes arrogant about it, and Paul says, you guys are so wrong. You need to do something about this. This is a bad thing, right? Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's an obvious wrong, and it is to be judged. This isn't, there is no motivation that will excuse this one. Right? You can't say, well, you can just see him saying, oh, but we love each other. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, that doesn't fix anything. That doesn't change a wrong into a right. Your motive, you can, and, and you can justify it to yourself, possibly by throwing out a motive like that, but it does not make a wrong action right. And, and so there's a clear judgment a difference between judging someone's heart and motives and judging someone's actions, and we are able to judge actions. It is an obvious wrong. There's a difference between having a judgmental attitude and judging when there's no other alternative but to judge. Uh, those are two different things. This is, this, is, this is certainly not teaching that we should be blind to right and wrong when he says thou shalt not judge. He's not saying be blind to right and wrong. Our approach should not be, uh, but, but what it is saying when Jesus says do not judge or you will be judged, our attitude should not be of one of looking for the opportunity to judge people. Do not look for the opportunity. So we move on to verses three through five and we get better clarity because Jesus gives us this uh, tremendous picture why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be, see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Fix yourself first. Uh, now, I want to say something really clear. Can I, can I, can I get a, a confirmation on this? A speck in your eye can be a real problem. A speck in your eye can be debilitating sometimes. I mean, there's little specks and then there's. I, <laughs> I, I was cutting firewood once and, and didn't. I, I, I thought uh, that we were just doing a little bit, don't need my safety glasses. And I got this thing in my eye. I was with Greg Bowman out at his place. Never cut wood with Greg, you get a speck in your eye. <laughs> I, I said, Greg, can you see this thing? I, th- I thought, this thing's got to be tremendous. He looks, I don't see anything. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. This thing's got to be gargantuan, can't you? I, and that was debilitating. I could not function. I kind of drove home. I was like, All right, I hope I don't get in a wreck. And I got there, Joni, see this spe- thing in my eye? I can't find it. I'm going, how can you not see this thing? <laughs> and I somehow I eventually got it out, and, and it was itty bitty, <laughs> tiny speck. But man, it just, it just bothered me. Sometimes you can ignore the speck. Sometimes you can't. They are bad things. And when you have a speck in your eye, and a friend who's better than Greg can take the speck out—sorry, Greg. (laughs) When your friend can actually take the speck out of your eye, are you not grateful for that? He has done a good thing for you. I was another case. Anybody remember the Bettles? Jonathan, Janelle Bettles. Okay, so I was—I I had lent some a couple tools to Jonathan for some sheetrock stuff, and and I, I was over there, and, and so, somehow I wasn't actually helping him work. I was just there, and I got this speck in my eye. He had me lay down. He had literally—he had a gallon of eye eye so I, I, uh, wash. Yeah, and I lay down. And he just started pouring it over my eye. Man, yes. <laughs> God bless Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, he, He was, he was able to, it was good. He helped me get the speck out of my eye. It's like, wow, that is so great. It is so good when someone can help you get a speck out of your eye. The question, though, is not whether your brother has a speck in your eye, in his eye and needs help. The question is whether you are qualified to help him and whether you spend your time looking for specks so that you can point out that your brother has specks in his eyes. What is in your own eye, right? When he says, take the log out of your own eye, what is in your own eye? What is he talking about? Well, first of all, it's a hyperbole, <laughs> you know, an overstatement, an exaggeration, intentional exaggeration to make a point. But uh, what is it? What is this sin that is making you unqualified to take the speck out of his eye? What is this enormous, big, problematic sin? What is it? And it could be any undealt-with sin that you have. If you are walking around as a sinner calling other people sinners, and of course we're all sinners, but you know what I mean, are you a drunk preaching to somebody about smoking pot? (laughs) <laughs> I feel like asking for hands here and I'm not, <laughs> not gonna go there, even though it would just be, be powerful. But 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 I you I've seen things like that. And I'm going, oh man, wrong, wrong person trying to give this message. Because the guy's not gonna receive it. All he sees is the hypocrisy, and he's confirmed in his opposition to the guy who's who's saying these things are you an adulterer picking on someone for pornography what makes you think you have any right to judge someone else's sin when you are walking around in your own sin your hypocrisy is evident to all regardless of whether or not you're right nobody is willing to hear what you have to say because your sin is so evident and, and, and that could be what he's saying, but I think there's something else. I think the log is your judgmental attitude, because it fits in the context here. Uh, the, the log, and, and especially when we look at the, the people of the day, who were the ones in Jesus' day who walked around constantly judging sin? It was the Pharisees who were holier than thou and self-righteous and claiming to be perfect and righteous and good, but they went around finding fault with everybody. And then you hear this and you go looking at that culture, you go, wow, especially when we look at, for instance, what, what I read in Matthew 23, where it was just the beginning of where Jesus is, is, is attacking the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And, and, and you say, wow, these guys, nobody wants to hear what they have to say. Nobody wants to meet them because, oh, no, here comes the spec inspectors again. You know, they're going to find that fault. They're going to tell me everything that's wrong with me. Uh, but, but when you are walking around with that judgmental, critical attitude and you are looking for faults in someone else, whatever else you are guilty of, you are guilty of that, right? Uh, in, in their world, like I said, the judges were the Pharisees, but everybody could do that. Uh, they, they just lived these lives of hypocritical righteousness. In their minds, they were free of specs. In their minds, they were free of spots. But everybody who knew them saw (laughs) this massive thing poking out of their eye. It was obvious to everybody else what they would not acknowledge in themselves. And that is the person who walks around constantly looking for flaws in others so that they can criticize it. As long as they're going around being spec inspectors looking for, for faults in others, they were not able to see clearly enough to be any good. The person who is going around looking for flaws in others is not able to see uh, well enough to help anybody. They are not qualified or capable to help anybody. Imagine you have a really annoying speck in your in your eye and you ask a blind man to help you get it out. <laughs> anybody want to do that? <laughs> no, I ain't going there. Uh, it's bad enough without your help. I'm not going there. He says, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The critical person who goes around quickly judging others will not see clearly enough to make good judgments. He is impo- It is impossible for him to make good judgments because he's doing everything based on a bad standard of judgment. He does not, cannot see clearly enough to do it. And I want to tell you the goal is not to condemn, but to help. The goal when your brother has a speck in his eye, is say, bad, shame on you for getting that speck. I mean, you can do that. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I should have been wearing my safety glasses. you know, uh, but, but I wasn't. Now, will you please help me get the speck out? No, I'm just busy telling you how bad you are for getting it. When you help your brother really get the speck out of the eye, you've done him a big favor. But how do you do it? And first of all, no one ever helped anybody by walking around going, speck, speck. <laughs> Pointing at the NASCAR guy, spec. <laughs> NASCAR is not a speck. <laughs> it's just fun to pick on. <laughs> Certainly, you don't help anybody by walking around talking about who has specs in their eyes. Those people have this problem, and, and, and yet it's so common to do that. Before long, everybody's talking about how, how a guy has a speck in his eye, but nobody's doing anything to help the guy. That's not our goal. There's a better approach, and that's why our scripture reading is Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, You who are spiritual are to condemn such a person. It's not what it says, is it? You who are spiritual are to punish such a person. No, it's not there. You who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Wow. How do you take a speck out of someone's eye? If, 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 If I have a speck in my eye and there's three people there, and when this guy says, let me out it, I can do that speck, he's afraid he's going to take out half the eye with it. You know. And then someone says, you know what, I, let me, I, have, some, I have some tissue here, let me swab it. I'm, yes, you, come help me. The one who's going to do it gently. The one who's going to do it gently. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Because it is easy to sinfully address sin. When I'm talking about specs, we're talking about sin, right? We're talking about sins in people's lives. And, and, and when he says specs, he's, he's, he's not talking about the big obvious sins that people are unrepentant of. He's talking about sins in people's lives, something they say, something they do, somehow they act, right? Uh, remove it gently restore the person your goal is not to hurt them your goal is not to punish them your goal is to restore them to bring them back to where they ought to be and probably actually want to be if you're getting a speck out of somebody's eye you'd better be gentle it's tender and it's sensitive and you don't want to cause more pain if you're helping someone with sin be gentle Don't walk up and say, you stinking sinner, repent! I mean, it might work on occasion from a pulpit, (laughs) right? It might work on a corner. You know, sometimes someone needs to hear that message. But we're not approaching it, that that kind of a situation. Don't look for ways to condemn. Look for ways to, 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 to reconcile. The time may come for open condemnation. But that is for the sinner who refuses to repent. right? Matthew, Matthew 18, once again, gives us the, the process for confronting someone in sin. Brethren, if you see someone in sin, go speak to him privately. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. That's your goal. Not to, not to punish your brother, to win your brother. If he doesn't listen to your brother, then take one or two other witnesses along with you. So that everything can be confirmed by I can't remember the quote, the two or three witnesses. So that they will help you do it. And you're, every, every step along the way, you're doing it as gently as you possibly can. And then it says, if they don't listen to that, then take it to the church. And at that point, the whole church is still not to condemn. The whole church is to say, yeah, buddy, you got a speck in your eye. you got to do something about that. And then if he refuses to listen, then finally you do it. But you don't, it, that, that, that first word, go and tell it to him privately. Why privately? Because you're trying to protect the guy. You're not trying to punish him. You're not trying to make it worse. Your goal is to restore. You want to protect his privacy along with everything else. You go to him. You know, you're going along in your own bit minding your own business. You're not looking for a spec, but you see your brother over there, you're going, oh man. You say, what's the matter? You got a speck in your eye? Yeah, here, let me see if I can help you with that. Right? You see your brother in sin. You go, hey, I can help you with that. Let me see what I can do for you there. Uh, maybe you really can accomplish some good if that is your attitude and if that is your approach. Think about the guy in 1 Corinthians, right? So here's dad, got rich, married this trophy wife. She starts eyeballing junior. Junior looks and starts eyeballing her back. And his friend sees him. You you know when you see somebody doing that. (laughs) Got his eyeballs doing that thing and and sees the eyeball. You you can see the rays between that. And he steps and says, Hey, buddy, you're eyeballing your dad's wife. Stop it. That's wrong. Look at how different that story could have ended. I mean, it could have ended right there. It could have stopped right there had a friend stepped in at that point and intervened because it was a, at that point it was just a speck in his eye. It hadn't blown into to, full-blown sin yet. It hadn't turned into all those things, right? It could have been stopped there. Sometimes sometimes we're the guy with the speck in his eyes. Sometimes we're the one who sees someone else with a speck in his eyes. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we're able to be the helper. Either way, it's so much nicer when the person you go to for help or that comes to you to help you actually has a goal of helping you. You know, they're, they're, you know, this person's not just telling me what I did right or wrong. This person's on my side. This person is looking out for what's good for me. When you see your brother in sin, you could launch into an attack on your brother. You could. You could but it's so much better when you try to help. Let's pray. Father God, we, we all know that we all sin. And Lord, we know you are in the business of forgiving sinners. Help us, your people, to be in the church of restoring sinners, of loving them, of desiring holiness and righteousness and goodness, but doing it in a way that honors you, Father, that helps them truly. I pray in Jesus' name.